and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon here on a Monday. Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller, and we're with you here for the next couple of hours talking sports with you, and thank you for joining us uh, here this morning. BMW of Des Moines guest list. This is what's coming up. Bottom of the hour, Michael Swain from Cyclone Alert, part of 24-7 Sports. Michael Swain uh, will uh, help us out with Iowa State, their convincing victory over the Longhorns, who've now lost, what, three in a row to Iowa State? I believe that number's at three. Uh, Come back from a halftime deficit and get the win and march on to Lubbock this weekend. At 10.45, 10.50-ish, we will recap our friends from Circa's weekend in the state of Iowa. Circus Sports, they own that radio real estate every Monday at 10.50. So we'll recap the weekend in the NFL, college football, etc. from a book and a sports betting perspective with Michael Palm. At 11.05, Trent Bamabob and I will go around college football. At the end of it, we will do our Who Do We Anticipate? The committee will uh, announce tomorrow. Who should the committee announce tomorrow as their top four teams? I'm guessing it'll be a little bit different, at least in one of these chairs. ABC. Anybody but Cincinnati Condon. Oh. And then at uh, 11.35, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic will join us. And Doc and Trent and I will talk about those Hawks and about that new quarterback. An ugly win, but I don't care. Win's a win, right? It wasn't the prettiest of things, but the Hawks get in to go into Evanston and come out with a victory and potentially come out with a quarterback controversy, or should it be? Maybe some time for the wacky wacky Sunday in the NFL. Oh, what a crazy, crazy day. Uh, but uh, lots going on. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Good. Fun weekend. Got to see everybody at Circa that was in town. Except for Derek Stevens this Friday night. He was in town up in Jefferson. And I was calling high school football, so didn't get to see him. But made sure to pass along a little hello from a couple of people. What a fun group that was. It was. They were a fun group. I'm glad I went to Jefferson on uh, Friday. Boy, it's further than you think. <laughs> Getting up there, even from Ankeny, huh? Yeah, it's, a, it's not bad. Don't get me 45 wrong. 45 minutes? No, it's longer than that. Is it's, it? about, it's about an hour. Okay. But there's a patch of road. And I don't I mean, I can't remember the last time I was on a two-lane road. <laughs> not very often. That, that's Yeah. Because you don't you get exactly past get out Boone. And about, right? No, you get past Boone into Jefferson. It's it's uh it's two lanes. Anyways, glad I went. Good folks at Wild Rose. Travis Dvorak, who's been really good boy. I saw the baseball trophy that Bromel Cap's getting yeah. for that contest that uh, they had. That's a nice one. That's a, it's a really ah uh, they do a nice job up there. Anyways, so uh, it was good to see Circa. It was good to watch winning football for both schools this weekend as they both got in the win column. Iowa State. There, look, the Big Twelve um, path to Dallas is still there. In mm-hmm. front of them, got to get some help. But boy, it sure looks like things may break their way. Iowa, on the other hand, it was a different. Now, here's the question, though. Petrus, you saw it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he could not throw the football. No, I mean they were going. They didn't even the two passes that he that he threw into the ground. They weren't even close to being receptions. He didn't even get it as far as the receiver. In a way, it's almost. Why was he even out there? That's just it, Trent. Because we heard that he didn't have velocity in the pregame warm-ups. If that's the case, then what's the point? Oh, and he sure didn't. Right. 
I mean, whew, it was bad. Um, Padilla came in right away, made that beautiful throw. Trent, it was a different. It's a different football team. And there was a spark. This is what upsets me. Going back to even last year in the six game winning streak, is they started to pile it on and they're beating everybody. It was the defense that was going there, uh-huh. but they did enough offensively. But even at that time, I said. Why don't you give Padilla a shot? It's a lost season. It's a weird COVID year. Right. You start 0-2 in those blowouts in the fourth quarter. Why didn't you get Padilla some more reps? And we said it this season at times. Now, there weren't a ton of opportunities, but when there was, why don't you do it? It just didn't make sense. And during the whole offseason, I said one thing. What ultimately matters about this Iowa football team is getting it in Indianapolis. That's it. Because Iowa, over the last five years, stack up their wins. We've talked about the numbers. One of the top 12 teams in college football in terms of victories, but they haven't been any. No. That's what you have to do. And I never believed that Spencer Peters was good enough to get them to Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. This isn't all his fault. We know that offensive line, playing calling, on and on and on. It's not all on him. But what I said, I believe, is coming to fruition. He's not good enough to get them to Indianapolis. And it's going to be more than likely another year where they're not going to get there. This team might finish 10-2. and two. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to, but they very well could finish 10-2, and two, but you're not getting to that final goal. What it's about in your division, winning a division that isn't very good, and they're not going to be able to do it again. And I think it's one of the reasons that you look at is because they weren't willing to see what else they had at the quarterback spot. Well, they, they saw firsthand on uh, on Saturday night. Now we, we'll see what, they, what they've got cooked up for this weekend. When Minnesota comes to town, it, look, it, it should be Padilla. I'd like to see him get an entire week, uh, week of reps with the, with the ones and see if he makes a difference. So he certainly did on Saturday night. Meanwhile, in Ames, um, really 7-3 at the end of the first half and then that offensive output. Trent, Iowa State, this, this Priest Hall character... Yes, my God, what what a player he is! Um, Brock Purdy doing what Brock Purdy does over and over. Now Charlie Kohler did not have a good night, but where I want to start on the Iowa State side of things because I've killed this guy. I mean, and it's easy to do so, right? Corey Dunn is is not had a good year. No, I've called him the only kid that's you know the only punter from Australia that actually can't punt. He had a punt, in the, and I get it; it's his job. Yeah, but it was a totally out of character for him. And it was it was a big play in the football game when he you know it, it was his first opportunity to come in. Mevis was handling the punting duties, mm-hmm. and they put Corey Dunn out there, and he he backspin. I mean, it was perfect. And I, I want to give him credit because it's been a tough year for him. Um, but that but that was good. But the other guys, I mean, so much credit goes around uh, to this team. Texas Texas was just. Trent, they didn't look like they belonged in the same field in the final 30 minutes. They didn't look like they wanted to be there either. Well, that's true. And that was such a cathartic moment. You could tell. And every Cyclone fan that I talked to, everybody that I have that's Iowa State fan, you just knew what this meant this week. In the first half, it wasn't pretty no. by any means. But that second half and the SEC chants in a mocking way mm-hmm. and on and on and on and the horns down and all the great signs that were out there, it was just that moment that I think that, that the Cyclone fans needed. It was... Put him to bed. Chris Williams had a great column on Friday talking about that and, and just the feelings of Iowa State fans. And to have it play out in that fashion, to just have a second half of domination saying good riddance. Yeah. See ya. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I don't know. You want them in. I think you should do everything you can to keep them because you've got their number for crying out loud. Why would you want to get rid of them? Um, I, I get it. Look, Brees Hall, special, special, yes. special player. Hutchinson. 
He had the fumble, uh, but uh, another terrific effort out of him. Kohler, really bad first half, really good second half. Uh, the, the, the trick play, the Hutchinson to, to Tariq Milton pass, that's back-to-back weeks. Milton has found the end zone. Chase Allen with a couple of big catches when they needed to him. That little slant over the middle's been there. And the defense stepping up in the second half like um, they normally do. As bad as the offensive line was in the first half, what they did in the second yeah. half. Now getting Brees going is going to help that out mm-hmm. too. But they really struggled in the first half, and they came together, I thought, in the second half and played at a high level. It, was, it wasn't it was a perfect moment, but it was a great moment. It's one that I think Cyclone fans are going to remember for really not long time. Just a beautiful day, full day of pa- tailgating. You get yeah. all that going right. on. Fall day, you're right. And then to, to culminate like that, oh. it, it was awesome. It absolutely was awesome. Fan base really needed something like that. And for the frustrations of the week previous and, and what the season has uh-huh. been overall, to get that kind of moment I, I think was great for the fan base. No, they needed, you know, another point of the game too, and this never happens to Iowa State. Mevis hits a field goal from 46 yards, flag. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember, was it was it somebody move or there was a play clock violation, whatever. 46 yards right down the middle, back up five yards. Well, what's going to happen? It's a 50-yarder with the Cyclone kicker. Right, it's not going to make it. But they have a kicker now. But they have a kicker now. Not only did he make it, he might have kicked it further from 51 than <laughs> yeah. he did from 46. This never happens to Iowa State. they got a kicker. They've got a defense. It was Arike. Um, just play after Will McDonald. Here's the thing, and I, and I don't, you know, I should have checked this. Are there two number nines? Is there two number nines? Oh, I would guess that there are, yeah. Okay, so Brees Hall's long touchdown. The ensuing mm-hmm. kickoff. You know who ran down and made the tackle? Hmm. Maybe this is a different number nine. <laughs> Will McDonald. Oh, really? On special teams. I mean, the guy that just set the record for sack leaders, um, he, he's down. It sure looked like well, him because he's a Joe big Skates kid. Joe Skates is the other nine. No, it wasn't. Well, Joe Skates, Skates has hasn't been some a, size, too. He hasn't been out there. No. I think it was Will McDonald. Um, and I'm going to leave it as it was Will McDonald because that's better for the story. <laughs> but what a, what, an, uh, what a gutsy performance out of him. Look, Iowa State beat Texas Tech, beat, beat Oklahoma, beat TCU. Oklahoma's got to play Baylor. Oklahoma State's uh, got to play Oklahoma. It's there for you. If you run the table and then root for Oklahoma in every, every game that you're not playing them, you're getting in. Simple as that. Simple as that. Joe Skates played one snap, at least offensively. Yeah, I think it was Will McDonald's a better story. So we're going to we're going to go with that with Will McDonald. Um, but yeah, it, it was good to see. It. You know, when you go back a week from t- a week ago today, right? It's kind of down in the dump state. Mm-hmm. Iowa had been beaten. Iowa State had been beaten. What's left for these teams, type of thing. Uh, but they both righted the ship, and good for them. Now Minnesota, uh, they come to to Kinnick Stadium. Iowa State goes to to Lubbock, where they're what. Ten point. What I don't you know. The number came out. I don't remember. Is it ten nine, and a half? Ten and a half. Nine. Nine. Uh, ten and a half is the number. Um, and I was favored. What? Touchdown. Touchdown. Let's see if it's any different here this morning. It's down to six. Down to six. Well, I watched, and this was torture. Uh, Illinois, Minnesota in the early window. What's wrong with you? Why they're, they're coming up on Iowa's schedule, yeah. and I want to watch them. They both play. That's each what other. BTN in sixties for. Yeah, I get it. What, there were so many other more intriguing well, games. Well, what else was on at that time? Was that in a Nebraska game at that time? Yes, I watched. That was my second. That was my second flip. By Nebraska, Trent, you can say this, and people used to, you know, when you used to say something like this, you'd get killed for it. But I believe this: Are they the best three and seven team in the history of college football? Maybe uh, not the history, but they're pretty damn good three and seven team. They're a good three and seven team, but there's a reason that they're three and sure, seven, and it's I because they don't do the they little things fish. right. 
Yes. The decision by Frost twenty three seventeen. It made no sense. Made no sense. The running and even worse was the third down play call. We know third down didn't go well. You're running the ball right down there. Throw. Why mm-hmm. are you throwing it? Mm-hmm. Just keep pounding at him. Pound it at him twice and get the first down. Yeah. Even if you don't get it there, that play calling more than the actual actual decision yeah. left me shaking my head. But that was one where Nebraska has talent. It's not a talent problem. They got a defense. And now you have to look at it and say, all right, we see that this team is talented enough. This team easily, easily could be seven and three, an inverse of the yeah. record. Without making real big grandiose changes. No. That's how close they are. Is Scott Frost, though, the guy that can change mm-hmm. that? Because it's a there's $20 million one com- dollar question. It's a common denominator. There's one. Yeah. And it's Scott Frost. Yep. And there's a reason that this is the worst team. It's not hyperbolic. No. Numbers bared out in one possession games. Nobody in college football is close to no. as bad as the Nebraska Cornhuskers under Scott Frost. Since he got there. This so, isn't a one-year thing, folks. This yeah, is every year right, since right. he's been there. Right. You look but back it's $20 those, million, Trent. That's the buyout. Can they can they afford $20 million? That's a lot of runs, us. <laughs> Have you had them, by the yeah, way? Yeah. They're okay, they're right? They're fine, yeah. They are what they are. Yeah, they're all right. I mean, I, I guess maybe... I should have known better. You're going to a fast food place. Right, right. What do you think you're getting? You thought it was going to be yeah, like a cathartic just, moment. Right. It was uh, okay. The skies open up. Right. Where was As I? Grand cabbage. Island, Nebraska. Uh, I've sampled my first runs. Up. Anyways, um, so yes, great weekend for the Hawks. Good weekend for both teams. Great mm-hmm. weekend for both teams as they take care of business. Now, Iowa needs some help to get through the West. Mm-hmm. They just got to keep winning. They got Minnesota, Illinois, Nebraska games. Not going to be easy. That Nebraska game has got a defense. To that point, they held Kenneth Walker the third and uh, Davion Henderson the best back in Ohio State's history. At least that's what we were told. And he's going to be good. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah. But they held both. He held Nebraska's defense. Held both of those cats to uh, under a hundred yards. That's pretty good. It's a good defense. That's a good defense. It's just the dumb decisions, yeah. the bad mistakes, the the times that it couldn't happen. You could see right away they were going to be there and they were ready to go from the get go. Mm-hmm. They're making plays defensively. They're making it tough there. And Ohio State, I was quickly back on the bandwagon with this Buckeye team. What we've seen the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Haven't been able to run the ball against no. Penn State and now Nebraska. Defense still has some problems. Mm-hmm. Neither Nebraska or Penn State are great offensive teams, no. but they're not like the dregs of Rutgers and Maryland right. that they were beating up. How good is this Ohio State yeah. team? You, you go to Cincinnati, hair yeah, on That's the weirdest ending I've ever seen. Okay, that's, that's way over the top. Did, did, that was crazy. It was. But back-to-back fumbles. The Tulsa kid diving into the end zone, knees down. Well, Ritter, the, 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 the possession before, they've got the ball, and they can run out the clock. Granted, they're on their own one-yard line. Just move two yards, and the game is over. But he fumbled. He fumbled. And he gives Tulsa the ball back. And then the the quarterback for Tulsa pulls a, 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 a Heineke move from Lambeau Field the week before. He goes down a foot before, and he was going in untouched. And instead of scoring, he slides in, and the play is stopped right there. The next play, tries to go over the top, fumble, Cincinnati wins. Crazy. Cincinnati was beat. Beat, beat, beat. Alabama, six yards of rushing. Not the prettiest thing. Michigan State goes down. What do you do? Oregon beat Washington. Washington fired half their coaches overnight. <laughs> right. This is a... Other than Georgia? Right. It's Georgia and a bunch of yuck. It kind of is, right? Yeah. They are so head and shoulders above everybody oh. else in college football. 
and you get into it. We're going to have the argument after tomorrow night. Yeah. Who's number two? Who's number five? Right. All the way through. This is why I continue to say, though, it will play out. Yeah. It will ultimately, we will we will have such a better idea. You need those data points mm-hmm. to get to that point. And I get the arguments that I understand it, and I'm going to be here yelling and giving my opinion as I always do. But it doesn't mean that it's right because no. you got to have everything in front of you. 13 and 0 Cincinnati, I'm with you, deserving. But they're not there yet. They're not. Until you get yes. there, you just can't make those kind of arguments for a team like that and a schedule like that that they mm. played. Trent, the last three weeks, they've not been good. No, not at all. Against three not very Tulane, good teams. Tulane, Navy, and Tulsa. Three bad teams. It's one thing to lose, beat LSU only by six and easily could have lost it, mm-hmm. and beat Tulsa. Yeah, I know. It's just different That's, conversation. Here's the thing. This was a this is a different Cincinnati team than beat Notre Dame. I don't yeah, know what's yeah. changed. They're not I really good. don't. They're I, th- just... I told you last week, every single metric out there, last year's Cincinnati team is a lot better than this mm-hmm. year's Cincinnati team. But we have those memories. If Cincinnati last year was nine and four, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Right. It'd be a story and they'd be probably eleven. Yeah. Hey, look at UTSA. They were undefeated last week, weren't even ranked. A garbage Minnesota team was ranked 20th, and UTSA wasn't in there. Cincinnati wouldn't have been that bad because the American is still better than Conference USA. But still, that's what it would have been. It's not supposed to matter what you did last year, Mm -hmm. but it still does matter. And Cincinnati, it's good for them. That last year actually did matter. Yeah, no, 100%. Couldn't agree with you more. Want to take a couple of calls or shall we? Uh, we've got uh, Michael Swain coming up on Iowa State. We will get him in here at 1030 more on Iowa State's win. Off they go to Lubbock uh, for a uh, 230 kick. I think, is that the deuce? I think maybe, well, you know what? Instead of thinking, why don't I just look? I want to say uh, that that Iowa State, uh, Texas Tech is ESPN2. Meanwhile, Iowa is on Big Ten Network, BTN, uh, for the Hawks. Both of those games, as they were last week, uh, right on top of each other uh, at 2.30. Um, and they're both favored in their football game. By the way, we will uh, let you know who won the tickets if you tried to win the Minnesota tickets. It was a huge Cyclone fan that won him. Oh, really? Yeah. I looked at his Isn't Twitter that the page. second time this has happened? I think we've had two Cyclone fans that have won now, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I think, think back earlier in the Joe season, Joe McConkey. Okay. He uh, he won the ticket, so I'll reach out to you, Joe, and uh, let you know uh, how I can get. Well, it's, they're not tickets; it's an electronic uh, ticket. A couple of minutes on the NFL. Big biggest story from yesterday. Well, in totality, it's the upsets. Yes. But of the upsets, which is the biggest? Not the most fatal. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one sticks out? The Bills. Yeah, to it's, Jacksonville. It's, it was between them and the Cowboys for me. So here's Buffalo who we believed, I think, throughout basically this whole season, they're the class of the AFC. They're yeah, now 5-3. and three. I agree. Here is who the Buffalo Bills have beat this year. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I want to know. Miami. Okay. Washington. Uh-huh. Houston. Uh-huh. The Chiefs. And the Dolphins. None of those teams are in the playoffs right now, Trent. Those are their five wins. Uh-huh. Losses to the Jags, the Titans. And Steelers. And the Steelers. And we, in week number one. You know the biggest story to me? The Tennessee Titans. Keep look at the. Way. They've beaten the Bills. Mm-hmm. They've beaten the Colts. They've beaten the Chiefs, and they've beaten the Rams in the last four weeks. That's impressive. Did it without Henry? Little juice out of AP. Adrian yeah, Peterson. I don't know what he's got left, but um, 
That yeah, last he did touchdown, score. he had a little something there. He there did. was a little power coming out of AP. I, I, I was more impressed with Tannehill's boot on fourth, uh, fourth yeah. down. That, that was impressive. And I was not impressed with with Stafford throwing the ball to my good God, especially that first one that was picked when he was, um, boy, this Jeffrey Simmons. Do you remember what was the name? What's the name of the bowl? The, the Mississippi State Iowa Bowl game. The out, uh, was, was Outback. They yep. were in. I knew they were in Florida. Anyways, uh, leading up to the game is. Keep an eye on this kid. Keep an eye on Simmons. He's a really good player. Blah blah blah. Boy, he's good. Yes, he is. Ooh, that, he is a uh, disruptor. Tennessee team. They're interesting. They're fun to watch. Mm-hmm. One thing I heard over the, the weekend. Defense leading over into the game. Yeah, and the way they turned it out. How about Hooker, former Hawkeye? Making he had a, play a couple of huge plays on that in third there. down play yes. out in the flat, specifically that Ooh, one. That I mean, that was an easy first down, and mm-hmm. he just made an incredible play. They've improved a lot on that side of the football, but about. What they have in the running game. And now what they're going to be. Derrick Henry is as talented of a guy at the running back position. You look at the numbers and everything, of course. But there's metrics out there that show it combines basically how many yards are there on a particular carry. He is about a half yard better than average. You think, okay, well, what's that in comparison to everybody? That basically puts him only in the top 15 of running backs. Mm. It's maybe not the death knell. That people anticipate. Well, He's a it's, monster. It's he can not, make plays. They gave for, him the ball so many times. Uh, that's true. Uh, here's the thing. It's not a foregone conclusion. He's done. They're that's holding the out thing. hope yep. that he's a January get back. Uh, we'll see. You know the other game that stuck out to me too? Uh, the Chiefs, they won. Mm-hmm. If you're a Chiefs fan, you're giddy here this morning? Not at all. Not at all. Because if <laughs> it wasn't Aaron Rodgers, it was Jordan Love. Who was bad. Who was really bad. And it's a good thing they put his his girlfriend and his mom up as high as they did because maybe they couldn't see how bad uh, uh, their loved one was because he was not good. Did you see where they parked mom and mom? Yeah, last row. The very last row. And that's a Green Bay thing. That's not a Chiefs thing. Oh, really? Now, apparently, this is from Amy Trask, who's done a lot in the NFL with the Washington football team because the Chiefs were getting killed on Twitter for doing that mm-hmm. to them. But apparently, each visiting team gets two different sets of tickets. The big allotment are the cheap seats. Uh-huh. They do have a block of tickets for the people that they want to give better access to, mm-hmm. closer to the field, right? It was the Packers that decided that's where they want to park mom and the, and the fiance. And so the this is on the Chiefs. Start of his career, you're up in the upper deck. Yeah, absolutely. And how about Lazard? You know, not spiking the ball. Mm hmm. Making sure that he held on to that football so he'd get to the sidelines and give it to his quarterback, who he realized had just thrown his first NFL touchdown. And that play, ducking the head under and getting in, that that was great. Sorensen overrunning as he he normally does. Um, Yeah, if you're a Chiefs fan, the stat that I saw last year, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but the average passing play for for Mahomes was like 6.4 yards. This year it's 2.6. 2.6. That's a significant Significant drop off. His best play of the game was the last play of the game, Sealer. You know when yeah, he, when right. he when he was scrambled and found mm-hmm. uh, Tyreek Hill, who'd come back to the football. That was his most impressive pass of the entire day. Jordan to, Love almost beat him. You ready to beat your chest about your Broncos? Five no, and four. Let's off. go! Come on, no more NFL draft. Look for no, you. I look, nope. I'm back on board. I've scraped yeah. my knees, jumping back on that bandwagon. Teddy was great. Teddy was great. Thirty Teddy was enough. really good. Why was Dak still in the game? I have no idea. Exactly. What's the point? There's no point. There's six minutes left in the football game. You're beat. Now, they did score a couple of times in garbage time. Big deal. 
you know, Aaron Rodgers is out. The Cowboys have a massive chance. The Rams have a massive chance to make up ground in the NFC. Both of those teams got to feel sick to their stomach this morning. Meanwhile, Arizona, yes. without Kyler Murray, just destroyed the Niners. No Hopkins? And DeAndre Hopkins was out. Great point. Uh, Edmund, Chase Edmonds got hurt early in that game. So was all James Conner. It was, it was Christian Kirk, hmm. Rondell Moore. Even uh, oh, who they AJ Green? He yeah. was also out the game. Wow! And they find a way. Are we ready to say maybe we overrated Kyle Shanahan? Had the Super Bowl run? Yeah, yeah. Look at his career record; it's not very good. No, they had a ton of injuries last year. Uh, yeah, Trent, it's not crazy. I could see why Niners fans are starting to wonder. And I who could see that. was the one that made the decision to go? To trade up where he easily could have got Mac Jones, who was mm-hmm. the apple of their eye, at least for a while. Well, or so we thought. And instead you trade up. Yeah. You got Trey Lance. Yeah. Is that Kyle Shanahan? Do you point to him? Is it well, does he have the ultimate decision or is it John Lynch? Right. One of those two. Anyways, I do not have the keywords, Trent. I got him here. Well, it's time for another thousand dollar handoff. Let's get a thousand bucks for Let's somebody. Let's do so. Text the keyword win. To 200, 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. Win to 200, 200. Michael Swain covers Iowa State for CycloneAlert.com. He will join us next as we get more into the uh, win over Texas. Uh, Michael Palm, Mike Palm from Circa at 1050-ish as we take you until noon on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3R.com. Now back to Miller and Condon. On 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. If you missed the keyword uh, this hour, it is win, win to 200, 200. Mike Palm from Circa coming up here in about 15 minutes or thereabouts. Right now, Michael Swain, 24 7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Uh, Michael Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you, Michael Swain? Doing great. We're kind of in that busy time of year now where hoops start. Yes. Football's kind of in the important start of the season. So busy time, busy time. Indeed. Message board should be jumping. You'll certainly have the keyboard tapping with uh, both of sports going on indeed. So, you know, I guess before we get into the, uh, to the X's and O's of the game, but what about injury wise? Awazarike may be the one, right? Uh, did he get back into the game? Was there any update on him at the, at the Matt Campbell press conference? Yeah, he seemed fine. Um, okay. Campbell didn't get asked about him, but he came back in the game Did later. He he, uh, he didn't limp off the field either, so it seemed like it was something that wasn't super major. So he should be good to go, it seems like. Well, uh, a victory against Texas, the second half, just cathartic, as I mentioned at the top of the show. You could see just how important it was for the fan base and the excitement mm-hmm. and people dressed up as monkeys and just <laughs> on and on and on. It was just one of those fun environments there, and it felt like to me more than anything – just a moment, especially after last week, that the fan base needed. Texas, you, know, you got all the animosity that is there for the Longhorns. And just listening to the crowd as the game is progressing and they're running away in the second half. Describe the environment for people that weren't there on Saturday. Just what it was like inside the building. Yeah, I think a fun atmosphere would be the way that I would describe it. You walk around pregame. I was on the sideline for a little bit um, taking photos and you could just tell that there was a more jubilant environment with a lot of fans poking fun at some of the monkey stuff that happened with Texas over Halloween. Um, and then even once you got into the game, once Iowa State started to pull away, I think fans could have a lot of fun with that. Cause it was, I mean, 
I don't know, Texas seemed to quit, which I think contributes to the fans being able to poke some fun at them. So I think in general, that's probably the environment. Like you said, I think it's a big deal because obviously Iowa State kind of, to some degree, controls its own destiny from here on out. Mm -hmm. So I think to get that win, kind of restore some confidence going into the final weeks here is important. No doubt. And it was their it was their uh, their guys, right? The guys they need to show up is Brock Purdy, it was Brees Hall, it was Hutchinson. Kohler in the second half, um, you know, overcame his bad first half when he had a, a, a number of drops that you normally don't see out of him. It's Awazarike, it's Will McDonald. Uh, Mike Rose, although he didn't play as many snaps as he normally does, he clearly provided them with a boost. So let's go there with him. Uh, he's not 100% yet. It may not be for the for the rest of the season. But it's a different defense just having their leader out there, isn't it? Definitely. And I think the one thing that stood out to me, I guess, talking to John Haycock kind of going into the game was it's not necessarily even what Mike Rose brings once the ball is snapped. It's also to some degree what he brings before the ball is snapped in terms of communication, understanding what the offenses are going to try and do. Because to some degree, a lot of the offenses run away from Mike Rose. They go to the opposite side. They go to Jake Hummel's side of things. But he's still able to communicate. So to have that back, I think it was massive, especially against a good running back like B. Jan Robinson. So I think for Mike, it's kind of over the next few weeks, it's just kind of a pain tolerance issue now with it being a nerve kind of thing that he's dealing with. It's just a question of, you know, can he kind of avoid maybe some of those bigger hits that might re-aggravate that? So it's one of those things where you might see him leave for a few snaps, but it's just going to be something to watch over the final weeks. Saw a new name in there in the middle of that defense and kind of looking towards the future. And Tyler Onadim, a kid from Texas, hadn't seen a lot of snaps. It was only a couple late in the game, but a youngster I know looking mm-hmm. at the recruiting services, pretty good offers coming out of school there in Texas. Kind of the future maybe in the middle of that defensive line going forward? Definitely. He's definitely one of those names that has come in and really impressed so far. Um, he's out of Texas. One of the few guys Iowa State's kind of picked out of Texas in recent cycles. And He's one that kind of, you know, Howard Brown enrolled early in the spring. We talked a lot about it. Yes. He has kind of that frame yeah. that you can't teach, right? He's got the 6'2", 300 pounds. But Oni Adams come in and kind of he enrolled in the summer and has really hit the ground running in terms of um, being able to kind of play and adapt to what Iowa State wants early on. So he's someone that I think has played in three games now, I want to say, so we can play in one more game this season and still get that red shirt. But, yeah, he's definitely one of those – kind of names to know for the future because it seems like the staff's pretty high on him. Where is Howard Brown? Uh, I think adapting to college. Is that what it is? Okay. I think it's you enroll early, kind of understanding it all. And I think it's just as what happens. And I think to some degree it's Howard Brown's first time playing exclusively at defensive tackle, right? He was a quarterback in high school, Mm -hmm. didn't spend a lot of time focusing on defense. So you get to the college level and it's a lot faster, and you're going up against 23-year-olds in the offensive line room. So I think to some degree it's just kind of the adaptation process. For gotcha. Him. Yeah, we did spend a lot of time in the offseason talking about him. A couple other guys, young guys, and this is good that they're able to do that, right? Because they're going to lose a ton on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. Uh, the guy Trent pointed out, I won't try to say his name, but Peterson, the other <laughs> Peterson. Um, Craig McDonald we've seen, Frailer we've seen, even Kendall Jackson, a kid from Roosevelt making, making some plays. So they are uh, Craig McDonald. They're clearly uh, injecting some of these young guys who are going to be called upon to, you know, to be the guys next year. That's good that they're getting playing time and doing so, mm-hmm. you know, in important portions of the football game. Hundred percent. And something I, I mentioned on our podcast a few weeks back. I think maybe after that Kansas State game when Jared Hufford came in and started at left tackle over Sean Foster. And something that Barton Simmons used to work for us now works at Vanderbilt um, used to say was. 
if you want to look at kind of the trend of a program, look at the players that are leaving the program and the players that are replacing them in the starting lineup. And if those players that are coming in are forcing the issue as young guys, that's usually a positive sign. And what you've seen so far is guys like Craig McDonald, you know, Jared Hufford coming in for some of these redshirt mm-hmm. seniors now that are able to not have a huge drop-off in production, which long-term, super encouraging if you are going to lose so much after this year, which Iowa State definitely is. 1973, that was the last time that Iowa State had an NFL first-round draft pick. Yeah, it's over. Mm. Will McDonald. He really is. I'm uh, with you. This year, the question was, all right, well, now he's going to get everybody's best shot. They're mm-hmm. going to be chipping him. They're going to do different things. The game plan is going to revolve around him. There he is still making plays. We know what an athlete he is on top of it here. Is this the guy? Do you think it ends this year? Will McDonald's a first-round NFL draft pick? Yeah, I think they've got a really good shot. And even with Brees Hall, too, I mean, he could go and test really well at the NFL Combine. I think that's what it's going to come down to with Will McDonald is how has he tested the Combine? Because the measurables are there for the most part. Um, he might be considered a little more of a tweener. He might need to add 15 more pounds, which for what he did over this offseason seems feasible because he added 15 over the course of that offseason and now going into the NFL, so he's able to add more. I think he really would be able to do that because you look at what he has. He has all the athleticism. He has the length. He has the end of product now, which is, I think was the big question, like you mentioned. He's going to play a lot more snaps than he did last year, and he's able to play a bunch this year, go against the run, be pretty good in that facet of the game. And then when third down comes, if he's not being held by one or two guys, he's able to have a lot of production. So I do. I think he's one of those guys that, if not first round, he will be taken, I think, in the second round. But again, I think it's going to come down to how he tested the combine because for some degree, a lot of that, a lot of the front offices in the NFL go first-round picks in the defensive line, it's all about your testing numbers. So I think that's kind of the, the big key for him. You know, one other kid that uh, I brought him up at the beginning of the show, I want to bring him up with you again, and I think Matt Campbell actually uh, uh, called him out or or credited him. I'm talking about Corey Dunn, who's not had a good year. But boy, that punt, I mean, that's what they brought him in to do, right? And that was a thing of beauty, getting it to back up the way that he did. Uh, it's not been a good year. It was good to see him get a little bit of a payoff uh, when Texas is in town. And he's one that, you know, started the year as a punter, had some rough performances, lost his job, and has still, you know, Matt Campbell talks about staying the course a lot. And it really seems like Corey Dunn's been able to do that. He hasn't quit by any means. You know, he's still contributing. And when his name was called on, he didn't punt early on in the game. It was still Andrew Mevis. But when they needed Corey Dunn to come in and pin Texas down inside its own 10, he did that to perfection. Like, you could not have placed the ball better, I would say. So, I think that's big. I think it's big for Cordon's confidence, too. And I think it's big for Iowa State, too, knowing that if you get in that situation again where you're kind of in borderline plus territory with a you know, a, a fourth and kind of five plus, you can call on Corey Dunn, and he's shown that he can do that. And maybe you don't have to go to Andrew Beavis for that. So I think that's big overall for Dunn, for Iowa State's confidence in him, and just adding another kind of wrinkle to that special teams game. Michael, we uh, pointed this game a lot during the offseason, kind of that let-down, look-ahead spot. Texas Tech, still a bull win away from bull eligibility. They have no, their new head coach, as McGuire's going to take over, an assistant from Baylor. But uh, how concerned are you? Possible letdown and a look ahead with Oklahoma on tap after this. Well, if West Virginia didn't happen, I would have been a lot more confident. Mm. But the fact that that kind of performance happened makes me a little, I don't know if skeptical is the right word, but um, I'm alert. Like I, I don't think Texas Tech is going to upset Iowa State. I'm certainly not going to pick that, but... I think it is a look-ahead spot, and it's such a big matchup in Oklahoma because that is the season right there. Like That is Iowa State's championship game because you beat Oklahoma, then you all of a sudden have to just beat a TCU team that has been middle of the road, of course, big win against Baylor. But then 
it kind of comes down to one more matchup. So I think for Iowa State, you know, you really have to win every game now in order to make Big 12 title game. So it's a big game. It is that look-ahead spot, but man, there's a part of me that thinks that after what happened to West Virginia, Matt Campbell has everyone's attention from here on out. Good stuff, Michael Swain, 24-7 sports, cyclonealert.com. Anything you got coming up this week you'd like to highlight? Yeah, we've got some fun stuff on the site, kind of going back over the Texas game. Fun story on the trick play Iowa State ran, and then some stuff from Will McDonald, who doesn't usually talk to the media. We got to talk to him ah. after the game, so got some quotes there from him. Nice stuff. Michael, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Definitely sounds good. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports Cyclone Alert dot com. Uh, we'll come back. Um, Mike Palm from Circa will join the program real quick. Mm-hmm. So the Northwestern, uh, the, the the fair catch when, when yeah. Fitzgerald went crazy, right? I didn't know the rule. Did you I, know the rule? I didn't know it was set up that way. I just thought a fair catch was... Balls on the 25. You put it on the 25. But since somebody else made the fair catch but, call... And I agree that I know what the official saw. Mm-hmm. Was that what he was doing? Well, the first one that they kept showing was the guy kind of in the doing middle. Doing this. Yeah, telling everybody, come over here. That's what I thought he was doing. But you look at... There's two returners. There was another angle. The second returner, as he was running over, he was making a fair catch oh, call. Oh, I didn't see him. It was him. the second guy, I think, that the flag was. Because initially... That was the wrong call, but then you see the second one, okay. who was also a returner, he was waving for a fair catch. Gotcha. That's where it came Because I thought, I thought he was calling his teammates he was, over to yeah. this side yep. of the field, and that's why he got flipped. But regardless if that was the guy or not, yeah. if the... If the if the guy who catches the ball, fielding the ball, he calls for the fair catch, you get it at the 25. If somebody else does, you get it at the spot that he catches the football. Learn something this week. Did not know that. Uh, it's 1045. Miller and Condon back with Mike Palm from Circa on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. Well, Murph sent you. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. You know, the Rolling Stones are are touring the United States mm-hmm. now, right? And uh, Mick Jagger's going out and about the night before a concert and just blending in. Have you seen some of the pictures? I, that one picture you talked about one day, I went back and found it. It was great. That bar? Yeah. Well, uh, they were in Vegas over the weekend. Okay. And he's down, downtown on Fremont Street. Just blending in. Yeah, just living his life. The guy next to you could be Mick Jagger. Is, uh... Are they playing in Minneapolis? Or did. I think they did. Just, I think okay. they, yeah, I think they were there a couple of weeks ago. That was recently. Okay. Yeah, I think it was recently. All right, still working on Mike Palm. Uh, but look, it was, I have to assume, another oh. really good weekend for the books, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, the parlays that went down in flames, the survivor pools that went down in flames. How many people had the bills over the Jags? A ton. I think it Ooh. was the most this week in the Circa Millions contest was that one, you'd think? Well, of course. In the week previous, 41% of the entries went out with the Bengals yeah. against the Jets. So I told you last week I started doing these NFL money line round robins where I just bet underdogs. In the last two weeks, I've... So explain more. So what is a round robin? So basically you're betting it, say you got seven teams in there. You're betting a seven-team parlay and then every combination of six and five and four all mm-hmm. the way through two-team parlays. Turns out to be, if you do a seven-teamer, what would it be? 56 different bets that you're making. And you can do as little as a dime per parlay. Like, I think my ticket was a total of $24 this yeah. week. It was just a bunch of dime bets and put all together. But it was profitable. And I still got the Bears tonight. That's the last leg of it. I think a... Wait a second. It. You have the Bears and the points tonight? No, the Bears money line. Oh, the Bears money line. Because these are all money lines that I play gotcha. it this way. 
But the last two weeks, they were both profitable. But if I would have had the Jets, it would have been really profitable. Yeah. This week, if I would have had the Jaguars, it would have been really profitable. Well, how about the guy? That, there was some guy in Colorado that uh, that had a two-team parlay. Jags to Broncos. I mean, how? Why? Right? How? Right. How yeah. in the world? Oh, Jacksonville's going to be Buffalo. You know what? I think the I think the Cowboys are in trouble this week. Give me Denver because, after all, I mean, come on. How in the world? As we like to say with those bets, let's see his losing tickets too. Right, and because there's got to be piles of them. But when right. you don't need to hit too many of those to no, make a profit. No, not at all. That, that's the fun part about these these round robins is mm-hmm. you just hit a couple of legs of them. You don't have to hit them all, and you're going to be making money on it. And the NFL the last two weeks has been absolutely amazing, oh. just how many of them have been at this fashion. The other thing, if uh, we don't get Mike today, hopefully we'll get him sometime this week. So Friday, as we're doing the show, for people that missed our show Friday, we're out at Wellman's, all the circuit crews out there. Yeah, it was good. And Tom Cakert's on, and he kind of jokingly said, hey, see if Mike Palm can get a line for the Iowa Slippery Rock exhibition game. It's one of my favorite broadcast moments we've ever had. <laughs> really? It, it was just, it was so much fun. It was goofy. They put a line up there. They said they took a max bet right away on Slippery Rock plus 45 and a half. They moved it to 45. I fired. Cakert fired. Everybody was fired at that thing. And, of course, Iowa wins it by, what, 52? Yeah, they covers covered, the number. Right. Slippery Rock didn't even play last season. How about that? Yeah, I mean, I didn't see, I didn't see the game. Um, was it, was it, uh, it was BTN Plus, I think it was. Yeah, tough to fall. I mean, um, good, good that they, I guess, got their got their feet underneath them. Uh, Patrick McCaffrey was the story of the game, right? I mean, he had a pretty good night. Um, that could have been the could have been one of the stories of the game. All right, let's uh, take a quick call in here. Now I know we set the clocks back, but this is usually a four o'clock call. It is right? maybe a day off for Derek and New Sharon. Hello, Derek. What's on your mind? Good to hear from you. What's going on? Hey, love the show, fellas. Well, I want to talk about my Titans. They got the easiest schedule in the NFL going through. So pretty much a lock for the playoffs. And we have so many people on injured reserve, but our defense is still playing lights out. Derek, I was was blown away how they handled the Rams last night. And that offensive line for the Rams, which I thought was pretty good, they had no answer Mm -hmm. for these Titans last night. Secondary was unbelievable. Uh, look, here's Derek, I, to back up your point, here's the last four weeks. They beat the Bills, they beat the Chiefs, they beat the Colts, and they beat the Rams. That gets your attention. I think we're uh, 6-0 and or 7-0 and against playoff teams last year. I don't know how we lost to the Jets. No idea. Everybody was asleep. But my clones, that defense, that Hashim Young can lay the lumber. Oh, yeah. I love watching defense like that. In that second half. No, they they turned it up. It was good to see Haycock as crew looked like uh, they didn't, with the exception of the West Virginia game all season long. Derek, good to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I love the show, guys. Yep, appreciate it. Take care. Yeah, he's got a couple of winners this weekend, mm-hmm. Cyclones to the Titans. So the Titans were 28-1 to at one point to win the Super Bowl. You had that ticket. I do. And I thought, you know what, that was a waste. A couple of weeks in, yeah, yeah it felt that way. How did, how did the Jets beat this team? right. How'd the Jets beat the Bengals? Now the, the Bengals are going the right and how bad they looked yesterday mm-hmm. against Cleveland. It's the NFL. One thing I heard, so I uh, had some yard work yesterday, putting in a new tree. So I was listening to the beginning, <laughs> the first half of the early window and had the ear pods in and I was uh, doing some work out there. And I can't remember where I was listening. It was one of those kind of bounce around coverages. I thought it was a good point. They were talking about with the 17-week schedule, it just, that extra layer to it, it feels so much longer this year. Yeah. 
we're halfway through mm-hmm. and it feels like it's just it's a death march still in front of us to, to get to the end of it and i hope it is they mentioned on the on this radio broadcast that they were talking to a coaching staff that said we're being a lot more not just practice and keeping reps down there that's become a bigger part of the nfl here the last couple of years but if it's close we're sitting guys out and of course what we saw with arizona if it's close knowing that you got to get through 17 games plus the playoffs. Which goes back to your question earlier. Why were the Cowboys playing Dak Prescott at yeah. the end of that football game? That's a terrible decision. It made no sense. Mike McCarthy, boy, he's a bad coach. Just uh, put in Kellen Moore. Just, yeah. just do it now. They should. Because apparently Moore's, uh, well, we'll see. TCU is, is, is going after him, and apparently he's interested. But if the Cowboys' job is there, I mean, come on. I mentioned when we were just talking uh, earlier there with Michael Swain, about the new Texas Tech coach, the assistant from Baylor. Yeah, he's leaving right away. That did that kind of come out of nowhere? You, Seemingly, you fired Matt Wells for that, right? Huh? You're taking the OC at Baylor, and you're and he's he's going to be there tomorrow. These two schools have to still play each other. Right? Yes, and I'm not sure what week. Maybe it's the final week of the regular season. Boy, down the stretch, you know, there's we've got three games for each of them left. But talk about massive spots for all for both of them. Right. Huge. Boy, it's going to be fun. Ah, oh, football's so good. It really and truly is. And I hope it is a death march to the end of the regular season. Drag this puppy out as far as we possibly can. Your Broncos the seventh seed. My Bears the seventh seed. Wouldn't that be something if they both got in? Partly that. Can your Bears? Well, we'll find Mr. Monday Night's coming up in about an hour. Uh, Bama Bob kicks off hour number two. Scott Darkman on the Hawks. 14, uh, 106.3.